God, a hand clap of praise in this building. For all of those who are in the building and those who are online, some out of town, some in hospitals, some handling pressing matters, but God is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He is not just in one place, but God is omnipresent. He is wherever you need him to be. And not only is he wherever you need him to be, but I've come to declare to you that he is whatever you need him to be. For he spoke to Moses, and when Moses said, Who shall I say that sent me? He said, Tell them that I am, that I am has sent you. When you translate that, it says that I will be what I will be. If you need a healer, healing is in the building today. If you need a deliverer, deliverance is in the building today. If you need help with depression or anxiety, it's in the building today. Reach up and grab it. Worship your Lord. Worship our God. He shall be. Hallelujah. My only regret is that we only get to do this together one time a week. This is the only time a week that we come together like this and we begin to corporately worship the God and feel his presence and feel, Lord God, his anointing coming down. I don't know about you. How many of you feel the presence of God in this place? Hallelujah. There is a word from the Lord. Somebody shout, we need a word. Oh, I don't know about you, but I need a word. Lord, speak your servants, listen. And we'll be careful to give you the praise. I know it's time to go. I know people might be watching online, but to be honest with you, when God's moving, I really, I don't, I don't care. God's moving. He's moving how he's moving, and I'm hoping that he's moving in the living rooms of those people online. But he's moving in the building, and I won't be so arrogant and so proud to say we got to keep going. If you need something from God, this altar is open for you right now. I know that's not the time in the service that comes, but you may not make it to the end of the service. If you need something from God, this altar is open right now. You can come get what you need from God. Hallelujah. Pastor Ernie, can you come begin to pray? God is moving in the building, and I'm going to let him move how he moves. Oh, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I worship you. If you need something else and you can't get to the altar, just slip your hand to heaven. To tell you, Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. 
church where the Spirit of God moves. Oh, I love you, love you, Jesus. something from God. He's here right now. Just want to tell Lord I love God, let the Lord move how he wants to move. God. He is whatever you need him to be. I, I prayed about when I would do this, but Brother Bob gave me permission to do this. Brother Bob, we have a praise report for most of you know that normal blood sugar is in the low 100s and for the past 15 plus years, Brother Bob gave me permission to tell his testimony that his blood sugar has been running around 400 to 450 which, which, which would normally kill an average person. And we'd be out and we'd be eating and I said, Brother Bob, he'd take half a, half a thing. I said, Brother Bob, let that alone. Put that down. And, and Brother Bob would go through it and, and, and finally I, even, I talked to Brother Bob and I said, hey, you need to even quit the diet drinks. Let's try that. And we've been praying with Bob and believing with God. He's back there crying now. Bob has never been able to, to get his blood sugar down so much so he says you can keep playing that the doctor when he comes through, he says, how's that syrup running through your veins? That's how, how high his blood sugar would run. But God has been working a miracle in Bob, and Bob has been, been doing what he needs to do. He's been eating right. He's been exercising, and we've been praying. And Bob called me the other day while I was talking to my wife, and I was talking to my wife, and Haley and I are doing a new, a new way of eating. And I told my wife, I said, I hate this. This is horrible. I really, I'm tired of it already. I'm ready to go back to my normal eating. And, and I said, Lord, I need some encouragement. And while I was talking, the phone rung. I told Rob, and I, I said, I got to go. It's Brother Bob. Let me see what Brother Bob needs. And he says, Pastor, I went in, and my blood sugar had went down to one, one, 125. And, and, and so my blood sugar is in normal levels, and they're looking at taking me off. This has been 15 or 20 years 
that he has suffered with this and he would struggle with this. And today he showed me a picture uh, of his glucose. Brother Bob, what did it say? Did it say 108? 107. That is amazing. God is working. When I thought, I see the tears in his eyes. There's victory in, in the house today. I, I immediately thought the Bible said that there was a woman with an issue of blood. She had a medical condition that had plagued her for 12 long years. Can you imagine? Most of us can't take a headache for five minutes, but to be plagued for 12 long years or 15 years with your blood sugar level so high, it could kill the average person. And no matter what you try, no matter what you do, you can't get it down. But here's the thing. I have an old saying, and these old sayings are starting to come up the older I get. I used to laugh at our older saints because they would say stuff and it didn't make sense to me when I was younger, Brother Ernie. But I had to do what my mama said. It said, keep living. Brother Bob, you know what they said about God? They said, he may not come when you want him to come, but he's always on time. And God has showed up and we want to give God praise and glory for what he is doing. He's healing. So celebrate with Brother Bob as you leave this, this day. Celebrate with Brother Bob as you leave this day and, and love on our family that is going through right now, the Evans family, Lord God, for Mabel Evans. Touch her and her family. Uh, the, there's a word from the Lord today. Um, Romans chapter 6, starting at verse 1. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. You can stand for the reading. Thank you, praise team. Some are out. Doing prayer, doing other things. Thank you for the ones that can hang back with us. God has been doing some amazing work in the book of Romans, and we are eternally grateful to him for that. We're grateful for him to do that. How many of you have been enjoying this series? Hallelujah. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. If you don't have it, if it's your first time, it's on the screens. We'll read it together. And it says what? What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who die to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism. Hmm. Hallelujah. For if we have been united, we go back, go back to that screen. Go back one there. They're having issues back there, but that's okay. Go back, go back to that other one. Go, go back one if you don't mind going. We, we have time. If we, don't, we don't have to be perfect all the time. I'm thankful for what you do. Verse 4, let's go. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we could no, would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we be will live with him also, also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. 
Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not therefore sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin, hallelujah, will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. I want to talk to you from the subject this morning, saved and sanctified, saved and sanctified. You may be seated in the presence of God. Speak, Lord, your servants listen. We'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Been praying over this for a good bit. We've had a lot of things going along across the week. Of course, our regional convention is coming up, and we've got some people that need prayer and that are in the hospital and families going through things. It has been an extremely, extremely busy season, but we're grateful to God for that busyness. That means that life is going and flowing and it's bustling and God, the church of God is alive and well and there are many things to do. And in that, I've been praying over this and, and, and just meditating over this before I ever got the chance to write something down. And I began to read through this and we've been talking for a long time about salvation, about God. The, salvation, the salvific plan of God, how God has decided to give his son to die for us. And, and that's free of charge, sir, huh? That means that we don't have to do anything to deserve that. That means that God so loved us. He loved us in this way that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He's talked to us about how free we are once we are no longer under the law, no longer under obligation. And the best way way I have to describe it is I'm a financial professional and as I, I deal with people from day to day when people are getting ready to retire I see two different types of people brother Ernie there are people who have more than enough money and they're ready to re and they're at retirement age but often they don't retire but they have a cheery disposition and the reason they have a cheery disposition is because they can go at any time they want and they realize that they are not working because of obligation they are not working because they have to pay bills they they're not working uh, because they are forced to work, but they are simply working because they love what they do. But then there are those who are, couldn't, couldn't wait to retirement age and they're looking at the clock and they're not very happy about their work. And one of the first questions I often ask uh, my clients is, uh, when would you like to retire? And can anybody guess what the answer is? <laughs> Now, now, today or, or tomorrow, they, they always want to retire today or now or tomorrow. And they feel like they can feel the burden and the weight of the job because they have to work to survive. And they don't like and enjoy their job because they feel pressured that they're not working because they want to. They feel pressured because they have to. They are obligated that their work will produce something for them that, that will, will keep them sustained and keep them alive. So that while both are working, one of them doesn't enjoy the work because they view the work as something they have to do. The other is not quite uh, quite that pessimistic. They're excited about the work because they look at it as something that they get to do. 
You'll catch that in a second. That's why we need to talk about salvation because when people were under the law, when we were under the law, God gave the law to man. Man had to perform the law as best as he could. And when he couldn't, the, the weight of sin was over him and he was always pressured under the law, under a slave master that he couldn't keep, under something that he could not uh, fully, fully utilize to its fullness. The law was good, but we weren't good, so we couldn't keep the law. So people were always under the stress and the strain of the law. Although the law was perfect, no matter how much I worked, I could not be good enough to earn my salvation. So there was always a stress and a pressure. And Romans says this in Romans 3 and 20, by the works of the law, no man can be saved. And God decided to take away that stress and that strain from us. And he made us like the retiree that's prepared and ready and has their business fixed. He took away the, the, the cost and the burden uh, that the law put on. And he gave us this thing called grace. If you don't know what grace is, you can use this acronym. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. In other words, God gives us the fullness and the richness of his kingdom, but his son paid for it. Salvation is free for us, but it costs God everything. <laughs> and he gave us this freedom, and because he gave us this freedom, we don't have to walk around in condemnation every time we make a mistake. We don't have to walk around every time we get something wrong beating ourselves over the head because we're no longer under the law. We are under grace, and it's not a fact that we have to do it, but we do it now because we get to do it because we're not working for salvation, but if you know Jesus, you are working from salvation because by grace you are saved not through works. It is the gift of God. Lest any man should boast in it that because God has saved you, you can work. And I put it to you the best way I can in the most simplistic form. We don't work to get saved, but because we're saved, we work. We work with a happiness. We work with a cheerfulness. We work with, a, with, with gratitude because when we look at our labor, it is a labor of love and not a labor of necessity. We're not trying to earn something. We're not trying to attain our salvation. Our salvation has already been given by God. And, and so we should have a different type of mindset when we approach God that we should want to work and that there is a powerful thing that God has given us uh, uh, this morning about spirituality in the text and we have seen how the weight of works has been lifted from the believer and salvation is no longer something to work for it's no longer something to be achieved but it is achieved by faith and faith alone and we know that God will give it to us and we stopped last week in Romans chapter 5 around verse 12 I want you to read 12 through the end but I only picked out a specific verse for time this morning that I want you to hear and it's Romans chapter 5 verses 20 through 21 because it segues into what we talk about today. Romans chapter 5 verses 20 through 21 says this and they have it on the screen. You're welcome to read it with us online or, or in the building. What does it say? Now the law came to increase the trespass but where sin increased grace abounded all the more so that as sin reigned in death Grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We were slaves to sin. We didn't have the ability to, uh, the ability to overcome our flesh. We talked about this. What does it say here? Verse 1, it says this. What shall we what? Say then, 
are we to continue in sin that grace abounds? Why? Because of what was written in, in, in verse 20 through 21, it says that when, the, that when grace sin increased, grace increased all, all the more, which means that you don't have enough sin that can outrun grace. <laughs> That's something to shout about, that no matter what you've done uh, or what you will do, it cannot outrun the grace of God. <laughs> but because of this, that because when sin increases, grace increases all the more, there was a faulty logic being taught, and they were teaching that, that Paul was saying and other disciples were saying, because you are under grace, you get to sin all you want to sin. As a matter of fact, why not make look, God look good if his grace is magnified in my sin? Why not be the best sinner I can so his grace can look as, much, as powerful as it can? And there are plenty of people in the church today that, that hold to that. They try to, to basically sin as much as they can and test the grace of God. This line of thinking gives a false premise that since I've been saved by grace through faith, nothing else is expected of me. I can live how I want to, and I can do what I want to, and I can go where I want to, all because I believe there are no restrictions on me. All things are lawful to me. They forget the part that says all things are not expedient. Just because all things are lawful to you doesn't mean that all things are a good idea. But sometimes we can do uh, what uh, and perform in what Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, a German pastor from years ago, called cheap grace, which means that we cheapen the grace of God because we abuse the grace of God. The grace of God can be abused. And I often tell people this way. Everybody repeat after me. Grace, grace. is for just in case, for just in case. not just because. Grace is there to cover you when you falter, but we shouldn't use grace as a fail safe to just live how we ever want to and to fall into the grace of God. You can't actually fall from grace. You fall in grace. That's how it works. They talk to people and they say they fell from grace. No, they didn't fall from grace. Grace comes when you fall. You fall into grace. And that's a wonderful, a wonderful place to land is in the grace of God. This passage is talking to us about relationship. Everybody say relationship. It's talking about our relationship in two different ways. It's talking to us about our relationship to Christ as well as our relationship to sin. Guys, can you pull up that chart on the screen? I want them to be able to see that, that green chart. There are three tenses of salvation that we talk about, and, and we need to know this. And now we, we have smart Christians in the building. This is something we need to have. Everybody said justification. Justification, this is the past tense. If you are saved right now, why? Because Christ has died for your sin and because you have received him, you are now saved from the penalty of sin. You don't go backwards. God has saved you from the what? Penalty of sin. You are moving forward. He has already saved you. So you have been saved. Everybody say, been saved. <laughs> That's something to shout about right there. I have been saved. I have been saved from the penalty of sin. What is the penalty of sin? Well, the wages of sin is what? Death. I've been saved from the penalty of sin. The Bible says it's been pointed to man once to die and then to the judgment. So even when I die, I'm not really dying. I'm passing not from death to life, but really I'm passing from death. Uh, I'm not passing from life to death. I'm passing from death, rather, unto life that I've been saved and now I am seated with Christ in heavenly places but just because I'm saved from sin doesn't mean I'm saved from what my sins can produce 
<laughs> what, what, what do you mean, Pastor? Uh, can I go to heaven if I smoke? You may go to heaven if I smoke, and if you smoke long enough, you might get there a little bit faster. Why? <laughs> because you might not be punished for your sin, but you can be punished by your sin. That your sins can punish you. And although the grace of God will help you, God wants you to have not just the past form of salvation, but here's the thing. He wants you to go into now what everybody says, sanctification. That's what we're going to talk about today. And not only have you been saved, but somebody say, I'm being saved. I'm being saved. Now, not only are you saved from the penalty of sin, but now you are saved from the power of sin. And we're going to talk about that in a second. And the third thing is this. Hallelujah. Uh, Everybody say glorification. One day, the Bible says that this flesh, this corruptible flesh, will, will be taken off and God will give us an incorruptible body and we shall be changed. He said, I behold, I tell you a mystery that we shall not all sleep, but we shall be what? Changed in the moment and the twinkling of an eye that one day not only am I saved from my past sin, not only am I being saved from my present sin, but one day I'll be completely saved from the presence of the sin because God will wipe away sin from the creation for John said I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old had passed away and we will walk around heaven and walk around the earth without the presence of sin at all Hallelujah. Many of us can look forward to that day of glorification because the wages of sin is death. And where there is no sin, there is no death. Hallelujah. Where there is no sin, there is no cancer. Where there is no sin, there is no high blood pressure. Where there is no sin, there is no anxiety and depression. There is no diabetes. That one day I won't have to worry about suffering down here. But I remember a song person said, bye and bye when the morning comes. When all the saints of God have gathered home, we'll tell the story of how we overcome and we'll understand it better by and by. Somebody shout by and by. That's that's something to shout about. That's something to be excited about. That we can shout by and by when the morning comes. By and by. We won't have to wake up and realize that we got a new pain. We won't wake up and realize that our glass prescription no longer works the way it needs to work. We won't wake up and have to deal with the sadness of losing a loved one. But where I come from in the South, I'm just going to be myself. And I'm country. They say every day will be howdy, howdy, and never goodbye. I won't have to say goodbye to any of my loved ones anymore. I won't have to cry anymore. And even if a tear comes, I remember John says in his revelation, it says, and God shall wipe away every tear from their eye. How many are looking forward to that day when God shall wipe away every tear? The Bible says weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. We have in our body right now some that are sick, but I want you to know if you're listening right now, uh, Rep. Mother Mabel, if you can hear me through Kathy's phone and I see you where you are, I want you to know weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Hallelujah. <laughs> if you came to go to sleep, this is the wrong Sunday for you. We're not going to sleep today. <laughs> because we're going to stop today in sanctification. 
We're going to stop in the process of sanctification. This is where most Christians get off the bus, Pastor Ernie. They, they, they just want fire insurance. That's all they want. They want to be saved from hell, but they don't want to be saved from themselves. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, Jesus. How you know anybody like that, Brother Bob? You want to be saved from the flames of hell, but you don't want to be saved from your nasty attitude. You want to be saved from the flames of hell, but you don't want to be saved from your doubt and unbelief. You want to be saved from the flames of hell, but you don't want to be saved from your bad eating habits and your bad living habits and saved from your gossiping and saved from your lying and saved from your backbiting and saved from your cheating and saved from all the things that are destroying your life and your relationships. You want to be saved, but you don't want to be sanctified. Many people want salvation. They really want a fireman. They don't want a savior. They want somebody to put the fire out, Brother Dave. But Paul says this. He tells them this. Now, therefore, should we continue or keep on sinning that grace abound? Shall we test out the grace of God? He says, God forbid. For we are in a relationship with the creator now. And because we are in the relationship with the creator, there are two types of relationships. And they can be exposed by two different questions and mindsets. The first one, the first question, everybody said the first question is coming. <laughs> you know what the first question is? I want you to help me preach. Everybody say, how much can I get away with? <laughs> you can tell a lot about that relationship. How much can I drink and still go to heaven? How much can I shack and go to heaven? How much can I fornicate and go to heaven? How much can I lie and backbite? How much can I get away with? Is God okay with this? Is, is God okay with that? Now, some people have an innocent mind, and they, they just want to please God. But most people who are asking that question, they're asking for the wrong reason. Imagine if you were dating or married, and somebody said, I'm going on a date with somebody else, and, and how much can I get away with before you get mad? <laughs> what if I took them to lunch? <laughs> And we just had lunch and we were just talking. What if, what if we took them to a hotel room? Would you be mad about that? What if we were just sitting there watching TV? When would you get mad? I would question the validity of how much you actually love that person. Why? Because when you love somebody, how much can I get away with is never the question. This is the question that the believer should be asking. Everybody say, how much can I run from? <laughs> That's what you need to be asking. You, you need to say, hey, because I love you so much, what is it that I can run from so I can please you? See, when your heart is really to please God, you're not trying to see what you can get away with, but you're trying to run away from anything that does not please God. <laughs> Lord, I may have salvation, but I know this doesn't please you, and I'm not going to keep doing it because I know it doesn't please you. <laughs> I know you saved me, and every now and then I do some things, and I don't do it all the time, but every now and then I do it, and it's sin, it's hidden sin in my life. But, Lord, I'm not going to ask you just to cover it. I'm thankful for your grace, but help me to overcome it because I don't have to live that way anymore. <laughs> See, the thing is that, that when you're saved from the penalty of sin, you're also saved from the power of sin. Everybody say, saved from the power. Now, what does say from the power means? It means that when you were born, in sin were you born, David says. In sin was I born, and, 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 and in wickedness did my mother conceive me. And what he's saying is this, not the way my mother conceived me, but that there was sin in her DNA, and it passed down to me. So I'm born in a sinful nature, which means that I'm born a slave to sin. 
<laughs> I'm born a slave to sin. Paul is telling us this morning that although grace has saved us and always outpaces sin, we must realize that when we are saved, our relationship with sin has changed. Sin was the old master. Sin was the old overseer. Sin caused us to say things and we would say, I just couldn't help myself. Sin was the thing that would destroy our life and sin was the thing, the tab that pay, left at us with a bill that we couldn't pay. Sin, how many of you can be honest, that sin caused you to run up a bunch of bills that you couldn't pay? Not just physical bills, but relational bills. <laughs> physical bills in your body, physical uh, monetary bills. Sin caused you to do a lot of things that you have to deal with the ramifications of it because we were a slave to sin. And when you're saved, although you think you're free, you don't have a choice because if you're not saved, you are a slave. I, I, I thought about this, Brother Bob, and I was thinking, what's the closest thing akin to slavery? In today's terms, we do still have slavery. You do know that slavery is still exists in America today, that they made this thing called the 13th Amendment. And it said that slavery was abolished except for imprisonment. So they abolished slavery on the top, but they used slavery in America to create chain gangs in, the, in those same plantations that they had. They used the law to continue slavery. They just used the penal system to do it, Brother Bob. And when they did that, I want. And so today we still have slavery. It's called the penal system. And, and the only difference is uh, between slavery and the penal system is that slaves of the old day were people that didn't deserve to go to prison. <laughs> But this time we earn the prison, and if we earn prison, we, our freedom is taken away from us. And here's the thing about being a slave, Brother Bob. You can't go when you want to go. You have to get up when they tell you to get up. You have to eat when they tell you to eat. You have to go to the restroom when they tell you have to go to the restroom. You can't have recreation time when you want to. You have it when they tell you to have it. You are thereby a slave. And this is what sin did. Sin made us a prisoner, but it gave us life without parole. <laughs> why, why do I need to know I have life without parole? Because this is what happens when you get life with parole. When they say, I'm giving you life without the possibility of parole, what that means is that for the rest of your natural life, you are going to be a prisoner, and the only way you get out of this prison, the only way you get free is if you go through the grave. <laughs> Once you go through the grave and you die, no longer we can hold you for, for your penalty anymore. You paid your debt, and so when you die, you get to be free. <laughs> I was watching something one day, and I said, oh, my goodness. They gave somebody four or five life sentences. That means that person had to live, die, live again, die again, <laughs> live again, die again live again, die again, get about 13, 15 more years, and then they will be eligible for parole. Safe to say they probably wasn't getting out anytime soon. The only way out for them was the grave. Why am I telling you that? Because that's why Paul is telling you this. He says that we share in Christ's death. 
<laughs> which means that we were slaves to sin. And the only way that we were going to get out because we didn't have possibility of parole was through the graveyard. <laughs> and so when we live with Christ and we begin to be saved with Christ, that means that we are die with Christ. That's why Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live not, but it is Christ lived in me and the hope I not live. I live by faith in the son of God that the only way out is through the grave. And I'm so glad last week or yesterday we took eight souls under. And when we took them under, we let them know this. We take you all the way under. And why we take you all the way under is because we're showing you by form what has already taken place when you've given Jesus your life is that you are now dead to sin and that person that was living, that person that was a slave to sin is now dead to sin. How do you know? Because he told me this through his word that if any man be in Christ, he's not an old man, but he is a new creature and the old things are passed away. Hallelujah. That old person has passed away. The only way to stop being a slave is to die. So we have died with Christ Jesus. Everybody say, I'm a dead man walking. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm a dead man walking. I'm a dead man walking. I'm dead to sin. It said, do you not know that all of us, verse 3, who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Pull that up. I want you to see that on the screen. What that means is we think of baptism just like the immersion, but that word baptizo has much more to do than just water baptism because the Bible teaches more than water baptism. The Bible teaches on the baptism of the Spirit. It teaches on the baptism of the water and it also teaches on the baptism into Jesus, which we call salvation. And this is what he's talking about. He's saying this, that. Do you not know that all of us that have been baptized, that word means to be immersed, completely submersed and covered, that when you are saved, the God no longer looks at you as you, but he sees you wrapped around through the lens and the covering of Jesus. <laughs> he looks at you through the blood of his son. You have been immersed and you have been engrafted into the body of Christ. He said, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into his death. That at just, oh, hallelujah. I want you to read this. Everybody pull this up. Verse four. Oh, this is something that we need to shout about. Let's read that together. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Hallelujah. The old man is dead. And so since the old man is dead, you no longer have that old Flip Wilson excuse. You can't say the devil made me do it because you're under new management. And because you're under new management, you get the choice. And, and, and that's why he says this, verse 12, he doesn't ask you if you feel like it. He gives you a command and it all depends on you. Verse 12, pull up verse 12. I want you to see that. This is what he says. It says, now what? Let not therefore sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought where? From death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. Hallelujah. 
Why? Why? Pull up verse 14. I, I, I'm, I'm always ready at the end of my sermon before I get to the middle. Everybody say this. This is what you shout over right here. For sin shall no longer be your master, for you are not under law, but under grace. Somebody shout, I'm free indeed. <laughs> I don't have to shout. I don't have to sin anymore. I don't have to be a slave to sin that I will always be in a war. My spirit will be warring against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. But I'm no longer obligated to obey. Do you know there are some people that are stuck in sin and they can't stop sinning because they're not saved and and God is not reigning in their mortal body. They are a slave to sin. And people will ask when when sinners do crazy stuff. And I will say this water is wet (laughs) and fire is hot (laughs) and sinners. Sins. I'm not surprised when a sinner sins. That's what a sinner does. What you should be surprised is when the saint sins. But not the saint sins too sometimes. But this is sitting in sin, living in sin. My my spiritual father used to say it this that way. Son, it's a difference between being weak and being wicked. That, that's what, what Dr. Charles Miller would tell, tell you. He said that the difference between being weak and wicked, it, it, you might stumble and fall and do something you have no business doing. That's weak. But if you stay in it, that's, that's weak. Everybody say that's wicked. <laughs> you don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to be a slave to sin anymore. That where sin was the old overseer and sin caused us to say, I just couldn't set, help myself. And it destroyed our lives. And sin ran up the tab and left us to pay the bill. But oh, the blood of Jesus. <laughs> it helped us to find a better boss. <laughs> Somebody said, I found a better boss and I'm leaving. <laughs> Some of us, we stay under the same old boss because we think that's the best we can do. Some people have believed the lie that a sinner and a fornicator is all you ever be. Somebody that's watching me online believes that a dope addict is all over you'll ever be. Somebody watching me online believes that a whoremonger, I know that's an old word, but that's what it is, is all that you'll ever be. But I've come to let you know that there's somebody else with an application that you can sign up for, and he's a better boss than the one that you're subject to, that you need to change employers and sign up instead of being a slave to sin become a slave to the Lord Jesus Christ I'm so glad that sin may have ran up the bill but Jesus paid the bill sin may may have had us a slave to our desires but Christ has set us free sin and the choices affected by it has destroyed our lives sometimes but Christ has come that we may have life and have it more abundantly somebody shout I'm under new management Hallelujah. Somebody needs to know and shout, I've got a new attitude. I've got a new perspective. I've got a new way of looking at life. No longer are you allowed to leave this church with nasty and bad habits and expect us to accept it and say, well, honey, that's just the way I am. No, that's not just the way you are because you belong to Christ Jesus and Christ has commanded us not to walk in sin. Well, you know, I just say what's on my mind. No, you just nasty and rude. Because you can tell truth in a hurtful way. But when you're saved, God convicts us, and we don't walk in that anymore. We have a new attitude. We have a new mind. 
We have participated. Did you know that? That when you are baptized, immersed into Jesus, before you ever get to this pool, you are therefore baptized into his death, that the death he died, you die with him. Some people maybe have never read that scripture. You are engulfed. You are baptizo. You are immersed and engulfed in the baptism of Jesus. This is an immediate process. And, and, and there are other baptisms, but because you have been immersed in this one, you need to seek the other ones. Why? Because I want to continue my process of sanctification. I want to become more like him. Somebody said more like him. More like him. See, water baptism is just an outward expression of what has already taken place inwardly. We have spiritually died with Christ. We have spiritually been buried with Jesus. And we have spiritually been raised with him. And we need to know that, that we are now dead to sin. And when we receive the new life that Christ has given us, we should gladly make the choice to reject sin. Everybody say reject. You reject it. Why? Because you realize when you think about the penalty of what has been paid for sin, it ought to make you want to reject it. Uh, uh, the Bible says this, that every time we knowingly sin, we crucify the Lord afresh. In other words, we make light of his sacrifice. Why would I live such a way that dishonors what he did for me? Why would I live in such a way that makes light of the fact that he gave his very life for my soul? Why would I do it just because I could get away with it and then show up on Sunday morning and raise my hand and say, I love you, Jesus. I know this one thing. He told his disciples, if you love me, then keep my commandments. If you love me, don't just let me hear your words. Let me see it and let me show you well, that you love me. Tomorrow is our wedding anniversary. Robin and I will be married, uh, married a very long time. Uh, uh, sorry, sorry, tomorrow. <laughs> We've been married. We were we child sweethearts. So I met my wife when I was 19 years old, and we've been together ever since. And now I'm none of your business years old, and, and, and we're still <laughs> together. We've been together a long time. We've been married a certain amount of time, and we've been together a certain amount of time. We've actually been together, what, 22 years? 21, 22 years? God is blessed. But here's the thing. I kept telling my wife I wanted to love her, but talk, everybody said talk is cheap. When you love somebody, you what? Show them. I love you, Jesus, but I'm too busy to come to Bible study. Ooh, if you can't say amen, say ouch. I love you, Jesus, but I just catch it online. I, I love you, Jesus, but, but my money is my money, and they got enough money to church. They can survive. I love you, Jesus, but my time is my time. I ain't got time for prayer. I love you, Jesus, but I ain't got time to read my Bible today. I got things to do. I love you, Jesus, but that's their problem, and they'll deal with that. I don't have to deal with that. I love you, Jesus, but I show up to church when I get ready, and, and people be more surprised that I showed up than they were if I did, then if I didn't, but I love you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Somebody listen to us online in the building. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> How silly does it seem that we say we love Jesus, but our actions don't line up with our what? Words. How would it be if I said, Robin, I love you, but to love you is inconvenient for me, so I'm not going to do that. You understand, don't you? You understand, Jesus, that, that I got time to study your word. 
They even have classes at the church for me. But I worked all day, Lord. I'm tired. You understand, don't you? But I love you. If you can't say amen. Yeah. <laughs> Lord Jesus. That, well, because we love him, we do. Because we received the newness of life. He's given us a new life and we have to do absolutely nothing but believe. Hallelujah. We were dead in our sins and now it's time for us to be dead to our sins. But it doesn't just stop at the church so you think the pastor is just trying to guilt you into coming to church. No, it, here's the thing. Where's your personal devotion time at home? How is your personal prayer life when you're out of here? How is your personal witness? How many people are you sharing Christ with? You say you love Jesus. <laughs> if I said I love my wife but nobody ever knew I was married, somebody would think I was lying, wouldn't they? <laughs> if I said I love Jesus but everybody I encountered, I never mentioned him? Do I really love him like I say I love him? He's saying, should we continue in sin that grace abounds? We are now dead to sin. Everybody say, I'm dead to sin. Ephesians 2, 1 through 2, and it says this. Why do I praise him? You can pull it up on the screen. Ephesians 2, 1 through 2, well, 1 through 2, and what does it say? And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. For following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, that's the devil, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Can you pull up verse 3 for me? If you can pull it up, I'd love it. Verse 3. I'm going to go all the way through four, verse 4. They may have to do something for that, but I'm going to read that. You can hop on them when you get ready. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Ooh, like the rest of mankind. Stop. You know what that means? That by nature we deserve the wrath of God because we were walking in the sin nature. Keep going. Verse 4. But God being rich in mercy. Hallelujah. Because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Oh, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hmm. Uh, and because we have been saved, now it's time for us to be sanctified. Yes. When I used to attend church, sometimes people would get up and they do testimony service and they say, I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and five baptized and I'm running for my life. <laughs> and, the, and that's how their testimony they would get up. They say, I like to thank the Lord that I'm saved, I'm sanctified. <sighs> Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, and I'm running for my life. You ever remember anybody doing a testimony like that? We heard them say it, but many of us didn't pay attention to what they were saying. Not only am I saved, but I'm sanctified. I have decided to join God, join with God and partner with him in the process of making my life clean. I ask you a question today. Is your life clean? I know your spirit is clean. Because you have been saved. But is your life clean? Have you been sanctified? Are you being sanctified? 
Hallelujah. You've been saved if you've been saved in this building. You, you can't stay here long because Pastor, uh, Pastor Dave was saying yesterday with the sermons that are preached in here, you got two choices. You can either fish or cut bait. You can't sit up under this too long unless you get saved or the word will draw you or drive you. But here's the deal. Are you saved or are you saved and sanctified? Are you happy with just enough? Because here's the thing. When you walk in the newness of life, when you walk in sanctification, God has blessings wrapped up in that for your life. When you decide to get rid of sin, when you decide to get rid of gossip, you, guess what? Your relationships become better. When you get rid of bitterness and malice and anger, guess what? Sometimes your health and your blood pressure gets better. Your anxiety gets better. You walk in a newness of life. God doesn't just want you to enjoy heaven there, but he's bringing a piece of heaven here that when you become sanctified, those things that were hurting you, now you have the choice to let them go. You don't have to be a slave to your anger anymore. You don't have to be a slave to your attitude anymore. You don't have to be a slave to your fear anymore. You don't have to be a slave to your anxiety anymore that if God has set you free if the son has set you free you are free indeed and the only way you are still bound is if you make the choice to be bound but I just believe we have a body of baptized believer that says I'm no longer a slave to sin but I am a child of God is there anybody that wants to be free this morning I don't want to just be saved, but I want to be saved and sanctified. <laughs> I want to run up the steps and not be sick because I, 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 I'm killing my body with cigarettes. I want to run up the steps and not be sick because I'm killing my body with Cokes and Dr. Pepper and all that stuff. I'm, and guess what? I, I, I want to be able to, 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 to enjoy my family and not them be grimace when I come around because my attitude's nasty and they endure me, but they really don't want me at the functions and sometimes they have them and they don't even invite me. That's, you, you ever been that type of person because they don't want you around? <laughs> Why? Because your attitude's nasty because you've been saved, but you haven't been what? Sanctified. There's some people have been saved for 50 years, but they haven't been. They're still in the same shape they were when they gave Jesus their hand. That's why Paul told the Corinthians, I would give you meat, but you're still on milk. You've been saved, but you haven't been sanctified. You haven't ripped that stuff off your life. Well, I'm not going to go to hell for it. You're not. But you may have hell on earth. It may cause sickness in your body, may cause dysfunction in your relationships, cause you to lose peace, cause you to lose money, cause you to lose time that you could have had on this earth. You may be here with your family, but you have wrecked your body so much, what they call midnight rambling and party. I'm amazed sometimes when I see people that I used to know, and we're the same age, and I look at them, and I say, Lord, have mercy, Robin, I'm, am I that old? <laughs> They're not that old, but they've lived a hard life. And they have to pay for that. That when you live the way God lives, there's a blessing in living holy. There's a blessing in living righteous. I don't just want my soul clean, but I want my life to be clean. 
Don't hear me wrong. I didn't say I want my life to be mistake free. It would be nice, but I know that's impossible on this side of the dirt. But I want my life to be clean. I want to live the best I can for Jesus, not to earn my salvation, but to say thanks for my salvation. Last verse, Romans 6, 11 through 14. You've already read it. I'll read it. You can read it if you want. So you must consider yourselves. Pull that up. I'd rather you hear it than me. I want you to take out you, and I want you to put I. Let's read that together. What does it say? So I must consider myself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let's say that again. Go back to it. I want you to get that. Let's read it. What does it say? So I must consider myself dead to sin and alive in Christ Jesus. What do you mean dead? To be dead is separated from and non-responsive to. Everybody say separated from and non-responsive to. That's why I believe as Job said, or Hezekiah, the grave can't praise you. That I'm separated from sin and I'm non-responsive to. I tell you this way, when I came up in Mississippi, they used to say it this way, Pastor Ernie. Things I used to do, I don't do no more. I know that's bad English. <laughs> Places I used to go, I don't go no more. <laughs> Things I used to say, I won't say no more. Why? Because I've been bought with the price and I'm dead to Christ. What does he tell us to do then? As some of us say, I can't help myself. You've been saved. This says you're not telling the truth because he's giving you a command. He's not saying to try it. Most people say, but I've been trying. That's the problem. Stop trying and start doing because you have the power in you by Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost, to be able to do it. It says this, what? Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey his passion. You don't have to go to that website. You go to that website website because you want to go to that website but Christ has saved you. You have the power. You are not a slave to sin. You are not a slave to filth. You are not a slave to pornography. You are not a slave to gossip. You are not a slave to anger. Let not it rain in your bodies and what do you need to do? Do not present your members to sin. Stay off of Instagram late at night. Stay off of TikTok late at night. Start, start learning to stroll and, and start changing your algorithm so the right things will show up instead of the wrong things sure why don't permit yourself to be in the middle of gossip when people start gossiping hang up the phone go find something else to do don't present your members to unrighteousness because right gossips are in the same category as fornicators and the, the sexually immoral all of them are there and so you feel like just because you're not sleeping around and you're not cussing and things like that are you you on your way to heaven and you fine do you have other people name in your mouth that's just as bad if you can't say amen, say. Oh, Lord, that's concerning. Everybody said ouch. That's okay. That's all right. It says, do not permit your members to sin as instruments. No, that's refreshing because we can be honest with ourselves. As instruments to unrighteousness, but what? Present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to what? Life. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Who Jesus? The choice is yours. You've decided to receive the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only is, he, is has our master changed us, but he changes our methods, 
and he changes our motives. Pastor, why don't I have peace? I come to church. Why well, don't I have happiness? I come to church. Why do I keep going through the same old cycles? Because you've been saved, but you're not sanctified. You figure that fire insurance is good enough. So you'll experience heaven one day, but you're still experiencing hell on earth. Hell in your finances, hell in your home, hell in your relationships with your children, hell in your health. You're bringing hell up into your life to destroy your life. When God has given you power, Behold, I've given you power to tread on scorpions and serpents and all the things of the enemy. And none of these things may hurt you. He's talking about evil right there. You have the power. Victor, you have the power. You're not a slave. You can be free right now. Whatever you want to be free from. How many of us, we be honest, I was talking to a minister the other day. I was helping him with some things, and he asked, he said, do you have anything in your life that you wish that you didn't have that you could do better at? I said, absolutely. I have a lot <laughs> that, I, that I'm still working on getting rid of. I wish that Robin at 22 had married to me at almost 20 years later because I'm a much per different person now than I was then. But I ask you to ask yourself an honest question. Show of hands, who has something that they can let go? That you can be a little closer to God, that you want your life a little bit cleaner. If you don't have it, I'll pray for God for your eyes to see, because we all do. All of us can be a little closer to God. Oh, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. I want to get all the things off of my glasses that don't help me to see you clearly, Jesus. I can't see you clearly when I'm angry. I can't see you clearly when I'm mad. I can't see you clearly when I'm gossiping and lying and backbiting. I can't see you clearly when I'm not feeling good because I'm not eating right. I can't see you clearly through all those other things. And, and this is what I end with. Our brother Bob was talking to me, and he said something, and I was on the road, and it almost made me stop in my tracks. He said, Pastor, thank you for talking to me. And my friends, they talked to me, and they helped me. But he says, just to think, it's taking me 15 to 20 plus years, and I could have been free 15 years ago. How much time will we waste not walking in the newness of life that God has given us? Don't look back in 10 years and wish I could have been much freer than I am. If you be honest, and I'm coming to my seat, all of us look back through our life and say, if I knew then what I know now. Life would be different. My money would be different. My relationships would be different. My health would be different. My choices would be different. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost, because life is a series of decisions. You remember that? <laughs> and our decisions determine our direction. And if not averted, they will denote our destiny. 
Today is a call for salvation. Not past, but present. You've been saved from the power of penalty of sin. But some of us need to be saved from the power. You can lose weight. You can stop overeating. You can stop drinking. You can stop lying. You can stop sneaking around at night. You can. Because Christ has saved you, not just from the penalty, but from the power. The only thing that's stopping you is you. And I end with this question as Brother Dave comes today. Don't you want to be free? Yes. I've been a slave before. Before and after I was in the ministry. And you don't realize how much of a slave you are until Christ sets you free. <laughs> you might have been saved for years. That's not, I'm not calling for that today. If you're online and, and, and you need to be saved, you can be saved. We don't minimize that. We're going to do that. We want to pray with you and bring you to the Lord. For those of you who reach out to us, reach out to us, those in the building. But I can look today and I believe that those in the building have either had salvation, but many of us have had sanctification, but we've stopped in our process and we need to continue on with God. We figure that we've gotten to where we need to be and we never get to where we need to be. Pull up that slide, pull up that green slide. I want you to tell you something, that this never stops until this shows up. See, we figure that when we get saved, we get sanctified and then we just good, but you're not finished being sanctified until you're glorified which means till you leave this earth, you can keep presenting your bodies to Christ, pulling off things that are not like him. He wants to love you. Will you stand today? He wants to heal you. He wants to set you free. As Brother Dave comes and the prayer team comes up, and Pastor Ernie leading the prayer team, if you need prayer today, you can get it. I know we've had all to call. We'll just be quick today.